got your Bibles, would turn with me to the book of Philippians. We are doing a study in this book. We've entitled the study called Gospel Impact. And that is that as the gospel invades our life, we come to it by the the heart of the gospel, which is Jesus died for us. Jesus rose from the dead. He provided for our salvation. We accept him. That's where it all begins, new life in Christ. But the more we grow in our knowledge of that, the more we grow in, in our, our knowledge of Jesus and following after him, it changes, changes the way we live. It changes the way we look at life. So a few weeks ago, actually I think this dates it back to March 5th, so what, six, seven weeks ago, came across this article. It was in USA Today. Here's the headline. U.S. As deaths from alcohol, drugs, and suicide hit the highest level since record-keeping began. Yeah, that's, wow, that's what I said. Interesting. Now, now, two things in this. I'm thinking, okay, so when did they start keeping records? Uh, I was thinking 1700s, eight, they started in 1999. So it's not like the longest record thing in, in the world, but 20 years. The, the other thing that I kind of caught my mind is how in this culture that we live in, where we have so much, is it, how can it be such a culture of despair? In fact, I got into the statistics. In, in the last year that we know, 2017, there were over 40,000 suicides. And they have projected that someplace between 1.4 and 1.5 suicide attempts that they know of. Now, you think about our culture. I I mean, compared to the rest of the world, compared to most of the culture that we've had in America, you know, for the last 200 and some odd years. I mean, we, we have it pretty good, right? I would think most of us all have like flushy toilets on the inside of the house, right? None of us had to, you know, go out and watch for coyotes in the middle of the night. We have it pretty good. We, we have so much. In fact, most of us in our pocket have more computing power in that little phone, right, than what it took men to the moon back in the 60s. We have so much, and yet we have this culture of despair. Now, why is it? Is it a new phenomenon? You know, Solomon once said, there's nothing new under the sun. And it's interesting because Solomon was a man who had a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom. In fact, there's a time in his life where he pursued knowledge, and and this is what he came to. He said, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Isn't that interesting? despair, despondency. So Solomon then kind of threw himself, okay, so if knowledge isn't going to give me what my heart needs, I'm going to throw myself into other stuff. He talks about how he threw himself into pleasure. Now, you can take from this what you want, but Solomon ended up having a thousand wives and concubines. Pleasure for him might have been somewhat sexual in nature, okay? Just saying. 
And then he began to build things. In fact, he built things so that people from all over the world came to see what he built. And yet in the midst of all of that, this is what he said. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Man, I kind of wonder if that's not what our culture is facing today. So, with that as a background, we live in this culture of despair. You now come to Philippians, and you read about a guy who's given up everything to follow Jesus. But now he's under house arrest at best. Uh, At worst, he's literally chained to the wall. He talks about here in Philippians 1, Paul says about his imprisonment. He can't go out and preach. He can't go out and do what he wants. Uh, He's very limited in anything. And yet, what does he talk about? He talks about joy. He talks about meaning. He talks about purpose. He talks about hope. He talks about, hey, this stuff that's happened to me, it's all good because it's fallen out to further the gospel. And now we get the capstone of it. Maybe, Maybe the greatest verse in the Bible. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Actually, in the original language, the two words is are not there. It was even more powerful. It would have been like this. For to me, to live, Christ. To die, gain. I mean, you talk about purpose, and you talk about hope. And that's at the heart of what we find when we know Jesus. You see, in our relationship with Christ, the gospel calls us to this greater eternal purpose. And what that does is that aligns our heart with what we were created to do. See, this is where I think we get so confused. We've lost our identity. So when God created man, he created us in his image. We were to be his image bearers. I was to reflect him to you. You were to reflect him to me. And in that, we were to have a relationship with him where we walked with him, we talked with him, we knew what he was like. And so we were created to be his image bearers. But then Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled. Our relationship with God is broken Our purpose now, how can we reflect the one we don't know? So we start looking for meaning and purpose and all these other things, and it just, it doesn't work. Despair, despondency. Well, the gospel now calls us back. We can know Jesus. Jesus came and died for us so our sins could be forgiven. Now we can have a relationship with God again. Now in knowing that, we can become his image bearers. We can become his reflection. We find our purpose again. In fact, it's interesting in the book of John, in that passage where Jesus talks about, I am the good shepherd, and as the good shepherd, I lay down my life for my sheep. One of the things he says is very interesting. He says, the thief, eh, there it is. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Interesting. 
You see, Jesus knew that in him providing for our sins, we now could have a relationship with God. And now in that relationship with God, we could become his image bearers again. And in that, we would find our purpose. We would find our meaning. And I think that's what Paul is saying. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. That is my purpose. That's what I was born. That's what I was created to do. And here's the thing. When that becomes our purpose... When we find our meaning and for me to live as Christ, then that transcends the circumstances of life. Because today, whatever happens to me, I can live for Jesus. You know, every morning when I get up, I don't know what's going to happen in the day, but today's a day I can live for Jesus. And as Paul says back in verse 20, whether it's by life or by death, it doesn't really matter because I'm here, my purpose for me to live is Christ. If that means in the midst of things going good and, you know, things happening that are positive, great. And if that means, man, in times of difficulty, then that's okay too. You know, I've been the pastor here a long time now, so I've shared my story. You know, most of you have heard it. Uh, but I always kind of harken back to this because 31 years ago, in fact, it was actually the week of Easter. Uh, it all happened Monday, Tuesday Easter was on that coming Sunday. Uh, But my wife, in giving birth to my first son, my wife died. She was 23 years old. I was um, 28 at the time. And I got to be honest with you, my, my, my world collapsed around me. You want to talk about despair? I was there. You want to talk about depression? I was there. You want to talk about despondency? I was there. And, uh, you know, I, and I had some well-meaning people around me. I mean, what's the expression? Bless their hearts? Is that what you say when, you know, they're trying hard, but they're just missing the mark? Bless their hearts. You know, they came and people were trying to encourage. And some of them, well, Steve, you know, it's, you know, you're only 28. You still got your whole life in front of you. It's kind of like, you know, you'll get over this and life will be good again. And I'm thinking, yeah, but no, you don't understand. I, I don't want to go on with life because my whole life, in a sense, just died. That, that's who all the plans were with. And then some people would say, well, you know, but you got this little son, you know, you can invest in him, you know, and you, you got that purpose is to raise him. And, you know, number one, dads, was I the only one, you know, that first one, I had not a clue of how to raise a child, right? You know, she was going to be the expert. I was going to, you know, by the second one, you kind of got an idea now, but the first, I don't know how to raise a child, and, uh, and I'm not proud of this, but the truth of the matter is, is that every time I held him and loved on him, it just reminded me of what should have been and what I would never know. It's tough. But I'd come to faith in Christ as a, as a young child and in fact, Philippians 1.21 had become one of those kind of light verses in my life for me to live as Christ. And so this sense of, of God, I, I just believe that you're in control. And secondly, that if you were done with me, you would have taken me home too. But I'm still here, so there's got to be something that you want me to do. And, and so for me to live as Christ, and so I'm here and I'm miserable and I hate life right now. But if, for me to live as Christ, and somehow you've got to be blessed in all this. And so, you know, as I stood there in the 
the mortuary in front of her casket for three hours and, and talked and prayed with people and tried to minister to people as they came by because, you know, for me to live is Christ. That's why I'm here. Allow me to stand there at her funeral over her casket and share the gospel and had see dozens of people put their faith and trust in Jesus. It's, it, it transcends life circumstances. Folks, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what despair you might be feeling, what despondency maybe you're dealing with, but can I tell you that in Jesus you can find a purpose that's far greater than your circumstances. And it's, and it's the purpose for which... Th- there's never regret. You know, I've been doing this a long time now. I, I've helped a lot of people as they transition into those final stages of life. And you know, one of the things that I find interesting is I have yet, I have not met one person that is at that kind of that end stage of their life that says, you know what, I walk with Jesus. You know, for me to live with Christ was, was my life. And that was the biggest mistake I ever made. I haven't met them. Man, I've processed with a lot of people who are getting to those late stages of life and building big bank accounts was important to them and having the fancy cars and the big houses and relationships. And there's a lot of regret there because a lot of times they're alone. They've left people in the dust and they wish they could do it over. But man, when you and I live for Jesus, there's no regret in that. So first of all, there's purpose. There's purpose for living. The second thing is there's hope. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, at the heart of the Christian worldview is this, this reality that this world isn't our home, right? I mean, we celebrate that today. Jesus conquered death. And so one day we're going to go to be with him. That's the heart of the gospel, that there's a better day that's coming. I mean, Jesus talked about this. I love in John 14, he's getting ready to go to the cross himself. And he says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. (laughs) Aren't you happy for that? He says, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Absolutely not. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Man, that is the promise of a better day. That is the promise that, man, when this life is over, we got something far better waiting for us. In fact, Paul picks this up in Philippians 3. He says our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we're eagerly waiting Jesus to come from. And so what does he say? And so then to die is gain. The Greek word there really is profit. The idea is, is that, okay, we go through this life for me to live as Christ. And as I live for Christ, good stuff will happen. But man, I'm going to go through some tough stuff. I'm, I'm in jail right now. He's eventually going to lose his head. But for me to live as Christ. But listen, when death comes, death is gain. Gain in everything and in every way. So... 31 years ago, my wife died. I I had read about heaven. I'd been to Bible college. I studied heaven. It was all kind of academic, though. Now it was real. Now it was real. And so uh, I started looking at it again. 
And I'm reading because, you know, I just lost my wife. And I read, they're not, you know, what does the Bible say about heaven? And I really came to believe that the really the most definitive statement that you and I have about heaven is this verse. It's gain. In every way and in every shape and in every way, it is better. There, there's never going to be a moment in heaven where we long for the good old day back here. Get it? You know, where we're going to sit there and go, oh man, I wish it was like this. Now that was hard for me because one of the things we read about in heaven is not gonna, there's not going to be marriage like we know it here. And that bothered me. Because I just lost my wife. And, you know, in marriage you have that, that, that intimacy, that soul intimacy of, uh, of two who, who just are the soulmates that come together. And, and how is it going to be? And, and yet I kept coming back that it's, it's going to be better. To somehow, some way, my relationship with Pam is going to be better there. And then, of course, you, you, you all know my story. So I moved to Phoenix, and God had this beautiful, hot little blonde sitting here in Phoenix waiting for me. And she loved me, and she loved my son, and she loved Jesus. Man, she had the trifecta. It was everything I was looking for. And God has put us together for 29 and a half years. And she's my best friend. Life is best with her when we do it together. But you know that my relationship with her is going to be better there than it is here. In fact, the funny thing is, is the only thing that makes me nervous about heaven is Pam and Tammy have never met. (laughs) And they will on that day. And they're going to be fast friends, and I don't know that that's going to work out real well for me. But to die is gain. It's to gain in every way. Let me share just a couple of what the Bible is. First of all, heaven's a place without sin. I love Revelation 21. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into there. Man, think about a place where there's no lying, there's no deceit, there's no ulterior motives. Where everybody speaks truth and everybody speaks it in love. Where there's no jealousy where there's no unforgiveness. You know, some of you got some broken relationships in your life or something happened years ago, and, and man, you're trying to make amends, but it's just people will not forgive. There will be none of that in heaven. No sin. What an incredible place to die is gain. Heaven's that place where there is no more sorrow. There's no more death. There's no more mourning. Man, every week we get prayer requests from some of you. We've got family members who are dying, family members who are hurting, people that are going through things. Just saw this morning what three little three-year-old child fell into the pool in the East Valley this is last day and, and died. And you know, your heart just breaks. There's none of that in heaven. No more sorrow. Man, to die is gain. Heaven's that place where we get the new bodies, which I got to be honest with you, with each passing year, this one gets better. Now, for those of you who I haven't seen since last Easter, I tried to wear my skinny shirt today so you go, hey, what happened with Steve? Because yeah, this last year from one year ago today, I've lost nearly 50 pounds. No, 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 don't clap. It's been a pain. It has, been, it has been a struggle. 
because I've had to watch what I eat. And so I lost the weight. And then for the last six months, I can't to, you know, I've had it off. Now I've got to keep it off. And I'm finding keeping it off is harder than getting it off. In fact, the other day I was sitting there, you know, I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life. Count calories, watch, and say no to, I don't like to say no to things. I like food. <laughs> Guess what? When I get to heaven, my metabolism is going to work again like it used to. I eat whatever I want. Man, to think, of, and, and then of course the big thing is now I'm trying to add in exercise. You know, the problem with exercise is it hurts, Right? You know, feet hurt, your knees hurt, your back hurts. Any of you, is it just me? I set my alarm to get up early in the morning to go exercise. And the alarm goes off and I'm thinking, what freight train hit me in the middle of the night? I'm just going, oh man, and I've got to go do that. But man, we're going to get that body that's never going to grow old. I love 2 Corinthians 5. It was a passage I'd read a dozen times. It had never stuck out to me until... So God took Pam home, and this verse became such an important verse. We know that if the earthly house, which is this tent, is torn down, that we have a building of God not made with hands that's eternal. It'll never grow old. It'll never get leukemia. It'll never get cancer. It'll never need a knee replacement or a shoulder replacement. It's never going to grow old. To die is gain. Heaven's that place where forever reunions and relationships. Man, I like this. Because family is so important. So for those of you who have been around a few years ago, we actually had two campuses. And, you know, Tammy, we've been at this 24 years. And, you know, we did one service. She was there. We did two services. We we went to three services. She she came to all the services. She's the dutiful pastor's wife. In fact, I told her, man, you don't have to come all three times. I said, I don't, I get tired of hearing myself by the third time. She goes, no, I get a lot of work done. Um, And uh, she came. Well, then we got into separate campuses. And and so we're here, we're there. and, and, And that's finally when she she said, no, but I think I need to do something else because something else was happening. You know, we're real blessed. Tammy's folks are part of our church. My folks are part of our church. My kids are part of our church. My grandkids are part of our church. My sister and her kids live, live here in town. And Tammy just said about six years ago, you know what, I think we're going to a different season of life. I think one of the things that we need to do, because we're not even seeing each other because we're in different places, we're in different services, I'm going to start doing family meals Sunday. So every Sunday... Tammy makes meal. And on a quiet day, there's about 14 of us. Most times there's about 18 to 20 of us every Sunday. It's wonderful. It's, it's so neat to, to be with the, the parents and to watch the grandkids now deal with the great-grandparents and, and the cousins. And it's just awesome. But you know, Tammy and I had a miscarriage and so we we've got a child in heaven we haven't even been with and we got family members that have gone on and you start thinking man what is sunday meal going to be like there where we get to be together never to be separated again and those relationships and, and that's all a part of it in fact i love that passage in first thessalonians 4 you know paul's talking to to believers who have lost some folks who have gone on. He says, we know that those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. It's the promise. I got to hurry. 
Heaven's a place of purpose, of meaning. You know, we got this idea, I think Satan floated this out there, that somehow heaven, we're going to be sitting on the clouds strumming a harp. You know, you don't read that. Or this idea that, man, heaven's going to be like one big eternal church service. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I like church services a little bit better probably than most of you. I kind of like that idea until the day that I realized I wouldn't be preaching. Then all of a sudden, that didn't sound like such a good idea to me either. So what are we going to be doing? Well, well Revelation 22.3 says this, there will no longer be any curse which means, you know, kind of the ground's been cursed, so it's not going to be cursed anymore. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him. Remember what we were created for? Our purpose was to reflect and to be an image bearer of our God, to know Him and to serve Him. What are we going to do? We are going to have meaning and purpose in our life that is going to bring deep satisfaction because we're going to serve Him. We're going to serve Him. And obviously, the best piece of heaven of all is that we're going to get to walk and talk with Jesus. We're going to get to walk and talk with Jesus. Man, face to face. I, I put my faith in Jesus decades ago. I've talked to him. I've told others about him. But man, there, it'll be face to face, walking and talking. Folks, do you understand what Paul's saying? For me, to live is Christ. There's my purpose. And oh, by the way, to die is gain. That's my hope. And where's it found? It's all found in the gospel. It's all found in the gospel message. That's what's impacted my life. Well, what's the gospel message? Well, first of all, it's that Jesus died for you. He came, he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. Remember, it's sin that screwed all this up. So somehow the sin had to be taken care of. That's why Jesus came. That's why I can't fix it, you can't fix it. Only Jesus is the perfect son of God came. He died on the cross. God took my sin and your sin, placed it upon him, and he paid our penalty. And then the gospel message is, is that Jesus conquered death. He came up out of the grave. He rose victorious. He's alive today. Now, here's the thing, folks. Most people, and I'm going to venture to say that most of you understand that as the gospel message. You're around the church. You've heard that truth. There's a third piece to the gospel. You see, you know, you're going to go down, we're going to go down to Nicaragua in a church where they haven't heard a lot of that truth. They don't get that piece. Most church people get this piece. Here's the piece they don't get. Here's the piece I need you to get. The way we experience that is through faith. You have to trust in Jesus alone. That's how it's experienced. It's not a matter of earning it or deserving it. In fact, Jesus was very clear. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. Can I repeat that? No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's nobody that's going to be in heaven who got there because they earned it. There's not going to be one person that's in heaven because they were good enough to get there. All of us are all going to be there the same way. It's because Jesus died for us. And we put our trust in Jesus alone. I love how he puts it in John 11. I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Folks, that's our hope. It's not our good works. It's not our effort. It's he who believes in me. So here's my question. Have you come to that point of putting your faith and trust in Jesus?